back to another episode of Super Coach Mates. Well, the countdown is nearly over. There are only four more sleeps at the time of recording this till the start of the 2022 AFL season. And obviously with that, it means it's time for our team reveals. So um, I've got both the guys here. So both Thomas and Jonas are here. And all three of us are going to... Uh, go through our teams. We're going to talk about some of our smoky picks. We're going to talk about some players who might be a little bit of a question mark as to why we've gone for them. So I'll introduce the guys. So I'll start with Jonas. So how are you going, Jonas? How's your weekend been, mate? Good. Um, yeah, it's been busy, but I mean, just with uni and stuff, it's kept me um, distracted from looking at the clock and waiting for round one to start. So no, it's good. It's crept up, so no, it's exciting. Yes, and I've also got Thomas here. Hello, Thomas. How you going? Yeah, not too bad. Uh, only a couple of days left before round one, so it'd be a bit of fun. And as Jonas as well, pretty busy with, with work and stuff, so it's kept me distracted from changing my team about a thousand times, which is nice. <laughs> right, well, well, that was actually going to be the first question that I asked <clears throat> both, was how many times have you guys looked at your side in the last week? Uh, I have probably looked at it maybe once or twice. Um, how many? What about you guys? Are you guys both about the same, or are you guys those guys who look at it like ten times a day? Um, well, I try to avoid it because I know that I'm going to stuff things up <laughs> before round one. So, I mean, trying to keep it um, maybe you know, say in the next couple of days, have a couple more looks at it. But I reckon I'm pretty much set, bar a few things. Nothing drastic, though. Are you the same, Jonas? I probably look at it a bit more than you guys, maybe once or twice a day at least, just tinkering with things and looking at different solutions. But it doesn't really change too much. So, yeah, I mean, I could probably look at look at the team as much as you, Nathan. I'd probably be in a similar sort of <laughs> position. So yeah, it doesn't really matter. Just wait till the team sheets come out, I suppose. Yeah, I think that's all we can do now. All right, well, without further ado, so we're going to reveal the first team here. So you guys, if you're watching this as a video, um, you probably won't see me much throughout this podcast. Um, but the first side we're going to reveal is uh, Thomas's side. So Thomas, obviously, yeah. uh, team name, what a steal. Um, so, yeah. Thomas, do you want to go through some of your picks? There's some interesting picks I can see here on my screen. Um, yeah. So, start with the back line. Yeah, we'll start from the back. Um, this was a tough one because, obviously, you know, with the lack of rookie selections, it makes it difficult to to kind of just have your set three, um, three primos and things like that. But pretty much I've had... Um, Short and Whitford have been locked in from the get-go, which has been handy to have since since pre-season. I was a bit sceptical about Short and his ability to score, but obviously without Hawley, he's been the main man. Ridley's pretty much a placeholder. I'm not exactly sure who I'll go with. Could be Stewart um, or could be Crisp uh, with those two. So, yeah, really depends on who I go with that one. Obviously, I've got a bit of kitty, uh, cash in the kitty, as you can see, so it's easily... Uh, changeable. Hewitt's one that I'm not entirely sure um, I'll cap. I'm pretty happy with him at the moment. Um, not overly confident w- with how he'll go with Walsh on the side, but I've left him in there. Chapman's the one that 
Um, I've watched a fair bit of him in, in both his preseason games. He, he looks real clean and five foot skills. Um, and he's priced at a not a bad price. He obviously scored pretty impressively in the both JLT games. But having said that, um, they did play West Coast. So it's one of those things where you take with a bit of a grain of salt considering how bad West Coast were. Um, but I heard on the commentary also that, uh, you know, West Coast, uh, not West Coast, Frio, they, they like to chip mark. The defence has changed a little bit since last year. Um, so they like to chip mark a little bit, which is nice. And I guess that will help a lot of the Frio defenders. Uh, just quickly through the mids then, um, the one bigger mission, obviously, Jack McRae, which is someone I really want to get in. So he's one that if I do bring in, I'll probably have to sacrifice one of my forwards and, and make Ridley to a Sicily, for example, which I've tinkered with. Um, that allows me to bring McRae in. So still, Miller haven't left my side since day one. Neither is Neil with his price point. Rao is one that me and Jonas obviously had a bit of a chat off air, a little bit sceptical on. Um, but considering how much he dominated against West Coast, and they've got um, Adelaide – no, not Adelaide. Uh, no, West Coast round one, actually. Yeah, how much Rao dominated against the Cats, I think it was. Um, they both Miller and Rao could actually go, you know, 140. It could be a bit of a bloodbath there. So I think he's priced at a good price point. He's one that, you know, had to flip the flip the structure around a little bit to fit in him, um, which meant McRae to go. And Barry's locked in uh, from day one. Obviously, with the with the podcast we had with our Brisbane guest, he had big raps on Barry, which was nice to see. Horn Francis, Dacos, Ward, Stevens. Um, Almost must-haves. I'd say Dacos, oh, not Dacos, I'd say Horn Francis is one that you, you probably could go without in a sense because of role, playing potentially, you know, predominantly half forward. But I think with his high popularity, it's almost like 70% owned. It's almost you just ha- might have to have him because if he does score over 100 round one, it's well, um, you know, tough luck. So I've, I've kept him in there for now. I don't think that structure really changes with the rookies, even if I do manage to put McRae in. Rucks haven't really touched, obviously had Darcy to start with, but injury um, concerns in pre-season worried me a tad. Have tinkered with potentially having Marshall and the likes of even Wits in there, but it kind of screws the rest of the structure up. It doesn't leave me with much cash, even though I've got an extra premium on field. And I think Gorn is so reliable and Grundy's obviously been a lock since day one. So the forward line is where I'm still debating whether I'll take two or three primos. Obviously, the one that stands out is Tim English. I had Heaney in there, and I've kind of gone off Heaney a little bit. But English has been the one that it's it's kind of like I had him in the ruck R2, but wasn't too pleased with that. But having him as F2 um, is one that I'm pretty, I would say, probably 60, 40 confident with. Obviously, has that shocking matchup with, with Gorn, which doesn't help him. But I heard on Twitter that I think rounds two to eight, he's got a really cushy draw. And if he's ruck solo, um, I could see him getting consistent over 100. He's so good around the ground. The only issue with him is obviously Steph Martin. If Steph Martin plays, it becomes a little bit difficult because I'd probably not have him. And if that's the case, then I'll probably dump him for a rookie, like a McGovern or someone, and then bump up one of my defenders or even try and get McRae in. So I think the team sheets will be a big indicator of that. And I think I'm a bit lucky with the fact that that um, Melbourne and the Dogs play first. So we'll find out Tuesday night whether whether English has his sidekick in, in Martin. So that makes life a little bit easier. I mean, Zach Buddies is a lock. He'd be crazy not to have him. Caniglia is a lock. And, and Sherry and Rochelle, obviously down there. Um, Sherry's one that I'm pretty happy with if he's solo rock with – oh, not even solo rock, if he if he just rocks with without uh, CCJ. 
And Rochelle, I mean, the kid can score goals for fun, so pretty um, pretty big cash cow, which is nice. Um, so, yeah, it's my team. Obviously, you know, the rookies there can change any time. Um, I've just kind of had there as placeholders, and I'm pretty confident most of them can play. Will Kelly was one that I've just brought in. I mean, initially was a was a cash issue, but can easily go up to sin and, and the like. But yeah, I think that's my side set up. Obviously, probably change a few times for round one, but we'll see how we go. But yeah, pretty happy with with how it's set up so far. Very, very good side. Um, have you got any questions for uh, Thomas Jonas about any selections or anything? I I have one, but I'll let you go first. Sure. Uh, one question I have is with regards to the back line. You've picked a lot of value-oriented picks yeah. down there my question is if you do roll with those four are you concerned about missing out on come seasons and a potential crisp lloyd stewart dawson and whoever else may get dpp because you've got two spots left open but yeah with a lot of those that you've got i'm not sure all four would be top six relevant how would you navigate around getting some of those other slightly more expensive players into your side? Or is that something where you just will cop, cop on the chin the fact that you won't be able to get, say, a Crisp, for example, who you, you'd assume would outscore Ridley in the end, yeah. but is a bit more expensive? Is that something you're willing to just deal with? Yeah, I mean, it's a good question. But I've got 84K in the bank. So if this structure stays the same, then I probably will end up moving Ridley up to one of those Stuart Chris, most likely Chris with the DPP. Um, I've got an easy enough money and then enough money to potentially move on, say, Kelly, if he doesn't get named or, or gets named in a forward line and move him up to Sydney if he gets played. So I've got money there, which is quite flexible. Um On the flip side, I guess, say I did say I upgraded somewhere else, for example, to maybe a more expensive rookie. Um, I wouldn't be too fussed. I don't think Crisp, Stewart and Lloyd are must-must-have in the defence. Like, Crisp is probably the most impressive one and obviously helps a lot with DPP. However, I think I saw a stat somewhere. I don't know if it was in our chat or not, but I think without more and hair on the side, he scores a lot stronger. And obviously that was quite predominant last year. However, I think I saw somewhere that Basically, half the Collingwood side's coming back on Friday night. So you got Howe, um, Quain, or Moore all coming back into that defensive line. I don't know how that will affect Chris, but I don't think it'll affect him too much, especially with Maynard out. Um, but it's one that I don't think it's it's something like, say, I don't know, for example, you miss out on McRae, but you've got a brace shot. I don't think it's going to be that much of a difference. Stewart, you know, Stewart's the same. He scores basically, you know, 110 to 115 so consistently. Um, but just having Ridley Short Whitfield, their upside is huge. I mean, Ridley Short uh, Short is one that obviously went gangbusters. Ridley's got the potential to go 150. Another person who I know that I mentioned in our chat off there is Daniel Rich. I know Jonas isn't a huge fan of him, but he's one that is a potential another option. He's like he scored like 81 in three quarters. The main reason for that is he did he did he was quite durable last year. Um, obviously he has his injury histories and he's quite old, but there's basically no one down that's going to take kick, kick off kick-ins off him. Um, the one that was the risk was Kim and Coleman, but he's out for eight to ten weeks. And there's not many other players that I don't think will take a kick out um, instead of Rich. You've got Ainsworth and I think Darcy Wilmot, who might come in round two. 
he's another rookie that I think is not a bad option if you want to if you run out of rookie defenders and you want to stick someone in that you know is going to miss round one. I think Wilmot might come in round two after a suspension just to help out in the defensive there. But I think Rich is one that potentially might come in. He's got a huge upside if he if he takes kickouts. Obviously Grant Birch was there last year and took about thirty percent of kickouts and he's not there anymore. Obviously retired. So you remove him out of the equation, you've got thirty more thirty percent more kickouts for Rich. And if he does that, you're looking at 120, 130 pretty consistently if that's the case. So it's one of those things I'm not too fussed about. But, yeah, I'd say that Ridley's the one that will go to more a crisp like if if the money's still there and all the rookies are set and structure's set. Um, but he's also one that can go down to Sicily um, if I decide to get McRae in for sure. Yeah. Fair enough. <clears throat> now, I'm going to ask you here about Jaden Short. Now, did you have Jaden Short last year, Thomas? Yeah, and killed it. Yeah, it's a noise living okay, shit out of me, so unfortunately. One of the things that a lot of those higher ranked players do is once burned, never again. Okay. Yeah. So he's burnt you last year. Okay. And you're now picking him again. Are you concerned that he could just do exactly what he did last year and just have 151 week go gangbusters? And then the next game he comes out, he scores 50 and he barely gets seen after quarter time. Is this something that's gone through your mind with picking him? Uh, not really, not anymore. It was before the preseason. I was like, you know, surely um, Dan Rioli or, or Lawson or someone might take a few points off and, and short stalls inconsistent. Obviously, you don't know until round one. But I think, um, you know, he's the, he's got, everything's going to go through him, unfortunately, for non-owners, I think. I think Richmond's defence is a, it's a bit an inexperienced in that regards now. They've lost a few key posts here and there. And Ralph Smith and Briola, even though they're playing half back, they're not, you know, they're not that great. They're still inexperienced. And, you know, you don't know how many games Ralph Smith will play. Rioli's just moved down back there. So he's still pretty raw to that to that role. And I think short is so important for the Richmond side to he's pretty pretty much the best kick in that Richmond side. If the ball doesn't go through him, I can't see Richmond winning too many games. Like as a bit of a joke, we, we mentioned off, I would be surprised if Carlton decided to put a tagger on him and try to nullify his, his impact around one. Have but even, even, yeah, even that's the case, he could take kickouts. And I think just naturally the ball's going to go. And he ends up doing that Lloyd thing where he just hangs around the back and asks for the ball because I think they need the ball in his hand um, to do any damage going forward for sure. And my second question here for you. So, um, you've got four Ruckman here in your side. Um, yeah. Where do we draw the line with how many Ruckman we can have in our side? Do we think that having four Rucks in the side is sustainable in, instead of, um, um, instead of say, these smaller midfielder types who can go forward? Um, what, yeah. what do we think about that? I think it's just scoring potential. Like, obviously, Sherry's a rookie, so I don't think he really counts as, a, as an important person to, to take in consideration. It's just one of those things where these rucks score naturally because if they're, especially if they're a sole ruck, it's like they're guaruteed to score 80s to 100s as a shit ruckman. Um, obviously, if you're a good ruckman, then you're going to score over 100 pretty consistently. Like English played against McInerney, I'm pretty sure, which is not a bad ruck, and he scored 116 and had 21 disposals. So he's obviously not going to do that every time. He's just one that I'm, I'd be, I'm semi-confident on. He's one that is droppable. So, for example, if I'm bringing McRae and English goes and Ridley goes, for example, and if I want to bring in a Jordan Dawson, 
the first one to go is English, who is one that's in the team at the moment based on structure. I had Heaney in there. I'm not over. I don't like his role. Like he's one that I know people are dropping off. I know George released his video on YouTube and he had Heaney in his side. I'm not confident. And he is our favourite Burn. Yeah. He is our favourite Burn player, Isaac Heaney. Um, <laughs> he's, he's in the same category as as Dan Houston. Um, but yeah, Tim English obviously got that shocking matchup against Gordon. I wouldn't be too surprised if he doesn't do much, but. He's one of the players that I, I do believe he's still better than Heaney and even the likes of Dugowie if he has that not the best role in up forward. Um, but, yeah, it's one of those things where he's the one that could be interchangeable, but I'm pretty confident. And this is obviously if Steph Martin plays and there's any inkling of him playing, then unfortunately he's the one to go. But if he's not and he's sole rock for the dogs, um, I think he'll score regardless. Fair enough. Have you got any more questions about his side, Jonas, or...? Not really. It's a pretty flawless team. Yeah, I think so. All right. I reckon we'll move on to the move on to the next one. Yeah. So you guys can probably all see me now. Yeah. Um. So, uh, I'm gonna do Jonas's side next. Uh, do, 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 do. Let me just get it up on my screen. There we go. Do, 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 do. All right, Mr. Jonas, you're up, buddy. Let's talk through your side. Sure. All right. So, at D1, I've got Tom Stewart. I think he's got not a lot of upside at his price, but he's pretty consistent before his injury. And with Lockie Henderson out of the side and Tui not really cementing too much of a spot, he should get even more kick-ins and takes heaps of contested intercept marks. So, he's one I'd be pretty happy to start with. Crisp as well, just uber-reliable, doesn't get injured. Same with Short. And then I've got Whitfield at D4. I think his price and upside are too good to pass up, even though he's a bit fragile at times. And then Hewitt at F uh, at D5 as well, at under 400k, playing a midfield role. He's one who I think could become a potential keeper. And then at D6, Hinge. He's shown scoring potential, but he's a bit injury prone, so he's one that I'm not fully sold on. But if he lines up round one, I'm sure he could definitely score quite well. So he's one to just monitor on the team sheets. And then in, into the midfield, I've got McRae just as a good, reliable VC option week in, week out. Plays a safe role where he doesn't get tagged. So he should, shouldn't fall too much in price. And then Miller, I've, I've got it M2. I just think Miller's got the best work rate out of anyone in the competition and with wits coming back into the side gold coast naturally improving a bit and no greenwood being there i can see i can see some upside with the pick and then at m3 i've got Lockie neal pretty self-explanatory pick and then followed by berry very impressed being the pre-season games so he's one who I intend to trade around the buys. Hopefully he gets to around 500k by then. He's shown good scoring history, but he is a bit injury prone, so he's one to monitor. And then Horn Francis and Dacos and Warden Stevens, I can with the first three, place them all together. Good job security, good roles, good scoring, particularly with regards to roles for Dacos and Ward, but with Horn Francis, he scored pretty well in the preseason games playing forward as well. 
especially in a 100-point defeat to Melbourne. So he's one who I'm not too concerned about um, scoring poorly if North Melbourne play poorly. In the rucks, Gorn and Grundy. Grundy, in my opinion, is a lock. Gorn, I've tossed up between Gorn and Darcy. Really just depends on whether whether or not you prefer to play risky with Darcy because his upside's enormous, but with Gorn, you know what you'll get um, and he won't get injured. And he's proven over multiple years now to be arguably the best, if not the second best Ruckman in the game. And then moving on to the forward line, Dunkley and Butters haven't left my side for... I don't think Dunkley's ever left my side and Butters has been in my side since early January, I'd say. He's got a good role and finds a way to score very well. And then at F3, Cornelio, I think he's in for a redemption year and he's one where I don't think you can go without him. He's retained some form. He might play a bit bit, bit of time up forward, but at 260000 I think he's one where you just have to pick him. And then some more speculative picks here. But to round out the forward line, I've got at F4, McGovern. His durability issues do concern me, but compared to Brody and Rel Smith, I'm quite confident on his job security. And so if he's able to stay on the park and be healthy, he's one where he could score quite well. But in saying that, I haven't seen how he scores with Doherty and both Wiedering and Doherty in the side. So I think his scoring avenues might dry up a bit. But if he takes multiple intercepts in a game, he could easily score 80 or, or above. And then at F5, one I'm also not too sold on but impressed last week against West Coast is Will Brody. He didn't um he, he didn't play with Fife in the side, but when he was on the field, he impressed in the midfield and was able to rack up almost, I think, thirty touches, if not thirty. One where I I'm a slightly concerned about his inability to play up forward, which could mean he could get kicked out of the side at any stage with Fife returning. And the fact is, I think he had 67% time on ground. So maybe there's some issues still with his fitness. So one where I'll monitor, but at the moment he's in my side just because of the fact he he looked and impressed me in the in the midfield role he was playing last week. And then lastly, similar to Tom, I've taken a liking to Zeri. Even if he gets half... Half-half split with Goldstein in the ruck. He should still score quite comfortably. And being a ruckman, I think that's a pretty safe role, particularly in a shaky forward line. If he can just maintain his spot, he should be able to average around 80 points and make a good 150,000. So, yeah, that's my turn. Yeah, I mean, pretty flawless very, in that regard. Yeah. Um, yeah. You got any questions for him, Thomas? Yeah, I mean, like, I mean, there's a couple, but a pretty, pretty solid side and most pretty commonly picked players. You can't really go wrong with any of them. There's two I have just off the bat. So obviously, you touched on Will Brody um, with Fife not being in the side. So obviously, Fife's come out and said that he's. I think it was in the captains' uh, interviews in the at the when they did the trophy presentation, all that yes, with all the captains. 
Um, and Fife pretty much said, I'm going to take, I'm going to play full-time midfield and the experiment with, with playing up forward is pretty much over. Does that concern you in any way? And obviously Bill Brody's time on ground was pretty low and it's pretty impressive that he scored well, but obviously that was against West Coast's basically waffles midfield. Um, is there an element of doubt with Brody or is he one that's more a placeholder than anything until you kind of confirm on the team list with Brody? Oh, 100%. That did fill me with a lot of concern. I think Fife probably does take a bit of Brody's mid-minutes, although I think um, Crowden or someone, yeah, I believe it was Crowden was playing as well. In, yeah, in yeah midfield, Crowden's so. in that midfield, yeah. I think Brody would be in front of Crowden just because of the fact that Crowden can play more forward. So that's one to monitor. He's certainly not a placeholder. I do have him in front of Ralph Smith just primarily because he's been playing midfield for multiple years now and he's shown good ability to score in VFL, albeit, but he has scoring potential. One where I'll only not pick him if I need that extra 20000 from going down to Ralph Smith. Although his job security, I classify it similar to Ralph Smith in the sense that they're both probably at around the bottom two of the top 22 in their sides and ones where you just hope they play early, score a few 75-plus, get get to around 330K, and then worst-case scenario, you trade them out then. So he's one I'm not completely sold on, but with... Some of the 200k options like Kerno and Rayner, I certainly have him in front of those. Yeah, I mean, it's fair enough. I guess one of those things where you can easily change um, here and there. Um, I guess Nathan can probably touch on a little bit on the midfield um, setup, I guess. But with the defenders, obviously Tom Stewart, Mr. Reliable. I don't know if this draws any concern, but he has... I think it was announced on on the news or whatever that he's he's um I wouldn't say touch and go for round one, but it, there is a possibility that he might be laid out because of the birth of his daughter, I think it is, um or or new new child coming up very soon, and I think it was they were due two days before round one or something like that. Is there any concern that, for example, worst case scenario? I don't, I'm not sure when Geelong play. I think it's a Saturday night. But, uh, Saturday afternoon. Yeah, okay, Saturday, Saturday afternoon. afternoon. Yeah. So worst case scenario, put it this way, that Stewart is a late out. Um, say Saturday morning, lockout's been gone. You missed most of the defenders. Is there a doubt in that, or you're pretty confident that you're going to lock in Stewart from round one, regardless? I think Stewart's pretty safe in that aspect because unless I'm completely disconnected from the internet. I wouldn't start Stewart, but because Ridley plays that game and then there are a few other options on the Sunday or Saturday night, he's one that I can easily just interchange. So I'm not too concerned. And the fact that he's arguably was the best defender who's still defender eligible this year from last year, he's one where I think he's a pretty safe pick and I hope he's overcome that injury. He certainly seems that way it certainly seemed that way um last week especially but that's something that has certainly deterred a few coaches but as a slight point of difference that sort of appeals to me as well because there are so many teams that are running your generic ridley short whitfield combination and so having Stewart instead of a crisp or a lloyd as well 
does sort of give me an edge in that aspect. So he could be one that either kills me or propels me a bit more forward. Yeah, for sure. Any uh, any initial comments on that one uh, on on his team, Nathan? Um, not really. Um, I presume I presume you've only gone the four big guys down back and who are as D five because there's no defensive rookies. I yeah, exactly. presume you normally wouldn't do that. Yeah, one hundred. Um, you're not you're not worried about a lack of high scores in the midfield to start off with. Like you've only got. McRae and Miller and Neil, who are sort of your big three midfielders. And then it goes straight down to Berry uh, at M4. You're sort of not worried about that. I've teamed off with, with um, having Raul in my side. However, at the moment, this is the structure I've got just because I'm quite comfortable with how my forward line looks. Normally, people would have Rochelle at F6, but having Rochelle on the bench really strengthens that four line. I'm not sure on Rochelle's consistency. He'll certainly have those games where he gets 80, but there'll be those sort of games where he doesn't get on the end of a cheap goal or, or a well-earned goal in that sense because he has been kicking some good ones and scores 40, whereas Cherry might come out and score 95, for example, and that's a 55-point gap that Berry could probably cover if I didn't have a Rowell or or McRae, I mean a steal, for example. So I think I've compromised certainly in the in the midfield, but having Hinge at D6 and Zeri at F6, I think levels it out nicely. And certainly the midfield will be a priority um, come, say, round six when we're doing upgrades. But for now, having Stevens at M8 doesn't really concern me too much. Fair enough. No, other than that, I think it's a pretty well-rounded good side. Thank you. Um, yeah, we'll finish uh, off with Nathan's We'll finish off with Nathan's mine, um, which I've already got mine up, I think. Hang on. i just got to get out of this. Wait. Uh, right, here's mine. So we'll go share my team. Here we go. All right. So my team... Um, here we go. Right, so um, obviously um, Jake Lloyd, I think, picks himself. Um, I've been a big fan of his all preseason. Um, I think he'll still be the high-scoring defender at the end of the year. Uh, Jack Crisp, obviously Collingwood scarf, tightly wrapped around my neck with this pick, um, but I think he picked for himself. I'm not too concerned about how or Darcy Moore. I think if they come back in, I think he's pretty much got a spot in that midfield anyway. Um, and I think that's where he'll probably play most of his football this year anyway. Uh, Whitfield and Sicily, I am a little bit concerned about their bodies. Um, and I didn't really want to have Sicily in there. Um, but I think out of all of those sort of mid-price picks, I think he's shown over the preseason that he's somewhat back to his best football. And I think he's going to take a lot of kickouts at Hawthorne um, they like the ball in his, they like the ball in his hands. He's got that big kick on him. Um, Hinge, pretty much same reason as what um, the other guy said. Um, he's showed over the preseason that he could score quite well. Um, and McCartan and the other two, so Gibkiss and I've got Will Gold on there. I think 
I'm hoping he gets the game this year. But again, that could that could change. But I'm I think I'm pretty happy with um Gibkiss and McCarden as defensive rookies. Um Anyway, midfield, so Jack McRae hasn't left my side all preseason. Um, I personally think that you're crazy if you're not picking him. I think he will easily be the high-scoring midfielder again this year, and I think you're going to really struggle to get him in if you don't start with him. Um, and Jack Steele, I think Steele and McRae will be top two midfielders, so um, I'm just going to pick both of them and just enjoy the ride with them. Uh, Lockie Neal, showing his back to his best. Um, I did kind of put the mods on, on him after his Brownlow medal. Um, so I'm glad to see that he's back to his best. Uh, Patrick Cripps, um, I'm happy to take the punt on him at that price. Um, he does really look back to his best. Um, I have a family member that goes for Carlton. Um, so I do go to a lot of Carlton games. In the last couple of years, he has looked a little bit slow around the stoppages, but um, pre-season game, he's shown that he's got that burst back. He pretty much tore Melbourne's midfield apart by himself um, in that practice game. Uh, Matt Rell, um, I'm happy to take a punt on him. He's number one draft pick. Um, some people have said that he's equal to, if not better than Sam Walsh. Um, we all love Sam Walsh. Just had a horror run with injuries. Um, and I think he could be someone who we might be looking at keeping, depending on how he goes. Um, I think the other three, so Horn, Francis, Dacos, and Ward, I think, picked themselves, and Dylan Stevens at M9, I would like to try and get him on the field, but um, that might be something that I work on. Uh, Rock, so Gorn, Grundy, haven't pretty much haven't left my side. I did have some question marks about Max Gorn, um, but obviously with uh, the, the community series and the practice matches, he showed that even with Jackson taking, I don't know, 60, 40 split uh, in the ruck, that Gorn's still capable of, capable of scoring 120-odd. So, um, and obviously Grundy, again, the Collingwood um, scarf wrapped tightly around my neck. Um, and in the forward line, uh, just like, Jonas, uh, Dunkley hasn't left my side since day one. Um, Butters, I think, picks himself. Um, I think he might be the highest scoring forward this year, um, which is probably a big call, but he's two monster scores over the preseason. I think there's going to be a lot of ball through that Port Adelaide midfield, and I think he's someone who they will look to use. Um, Cornelio, I completely agree with the other two. I think this is redemption year for him. I wouldn't be surprised if he was a top 20 midfielder this year. Um, I know that's a big call, but I think he's a must-have. Uh, Brody, again, I'm a little bit speculative on him. Um, he could come out. Uh, Zeri, I've come on too late. Um, I think I think it was Spiller in our uh, draft podcast um, sort of got huge raps on him so um happy to take the punt on him as a ruckman uh Rochelle um I think he showed over the preseason um even if he's prone to having a quieter game um I think at that price I think he's probably one of the better picks and then obviously um everyone on the bench other than I think Gibkiss and Hayes and De Koning and Martin is and Stevens is subject to change. But that's my side. So 
Yeah, I'm quite happy with where my side sits at the minute. Obviously, there's still four days to go, but um, yeah, I'm I'm quite happy with where it sits. Yeah, nice. Yeah, I mean, uh, you can't really complain again. You got no real picks that that scream. You got to get rid of them. Um, just a couple, I guess, is with regards to Jake Lloyd. Do you reckon he's one that potentially might see a reduction in points just based off kind of how he transgressed last year a little bit with the lower scoring, lower scoring output um, with the likes of Jordan Dawson? Obviously, Jordan Dawson's left the side. Um, so they've now got Justin McInerney and, and Nick Blakey off the half-back line and, and McInerney off the wings. And they seem to like to have the ball quite a fair bit in the hands of the wingers, a la Jordan, uh, Jordan Dawson last year. Um, do you reckon is is he the best option for D1, or is he is he one that you're just going to stick and roll with and and just kind of appreciate the um, the highest uh, not the highest scoring the the consistent scoring rather than someone like you know as you, as as you mentioned before in a short who's last was prone to a bit of an up and down scoring potential. Yeah, look, I'm I'm not sure about you guys, but like once I pick my premium picks, so like Lloyd, uh, McCraig, Steele, I don't really care what their price is. Like as long as they're still scoring um, consistently, um, then it doesn't really bother me what price they're at. Um, I guess with the question about the regression, there is a I'm a little bit of a mathematical nerd, and there is a mathematical concept called regression back to the mean. Um, so Lloyd's obviously back at the high, Lloyd's obviously at his high point and there will come a time where he will regress back to sort of around where everyone else is. Um, I'm not sure if that's this season though. I think he's what, I think he turns 30 this year. Um, I think he's still got one or two good years left in him. Um, and I think if Sydney are to play finals again, I think they need the ball in his, in in his hands as much as possible off that back line because um, he pretty much doesn't miss the target with that. And I think he's probably going to take most of Sydney's kickouts this season as well. So obviously we know that uh, kickouts, especially if they go long and to advantage, do score you a lot of points. Um, so I'm happy with that Jake Lloyd pick. But in terms of his regression, um, it's obviously a little bit concerning, but... Um, I don't think it's enough to um, justify not picking him. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's, that's a fair call. Jonas, have you got any uh, final few words to say about Nathan's, Nathan's squad? Yeah, um, just one question. I see you're missing some potential candidates that if you go without could severely leave you behind the pack, a la George Stewart, Jared Berry, and... Arguably Took Miller, but you got Steele and McRae. So mainly focusing on Hewitt and Berry. Are you concerned that if they continue their preseason form and they're not on your side, that you're going to struggle to maintain a really good rank? Um. Well, I've kind of got Sicily and Rowley in those two spots. So I'm pretty much going versus those two. So I'm pretty much going Sicily and Rao versus um, Hewitt and Berry. Um, so the only I like the only question I have over um, Hewitt, we haven't seen Sam Walsh yet in that side. 
Um, and I'm not convinced that um, with the way Samosh plays and scores, I'm not convinced that they can share that midfield scoring around entirely. Um, so I'm a little bit worried about his scoring once Sam Walsh comes back into that side. Um, and as for Raul and obviously the Jared Berry pick, um, I'm happy to go with Raul over Berry because I know Raul, um, top junior, um, has had a wretched run with injury in the AFL, um, but pretty much right throughout his junior season, um, I think he pretty much played completely uninterrupted and it's pretty much as soon as he's got into the AFL that his um that his body just for whatever reason hasn't stood up. Um but I don't think he's gonna get tagged often either, which has come into my questions. But I think if you're gonna tag someone at the Gold Coast, um I don't know why you would because they're probably not gonna win many games. Um but I think you've surely got to go to Tuke Miller. Um, and I think Rail might do what Rail does best, which is just accumulate disposal, kick some goals. Um, whereas I haven't really seen Barry do it. I know we have I know we did have that podcast. And I will I will say a disclaimer that I have had both Barry and um Hewitt in my side. I have had both of them in there. Um, but at this stage they're not in there, but it is four days out from round one, and that could change um, before then. But at this stage, I'm happy to take the pun on Sicily and Raul over Hewitt and Berry. Yeah, I mean, that's fair enough. And I think, you know, as as the viewers now, if we're, we'll get, we're trying to get this on YouTube, um, so you'll probably see our teams there as well. But as the viewers can see, it's pretty similar all, the, all, all around. So whether or not, you know, any of any one of us will, will decide to go a little bit different before round one is yet to be seen. As you as you're well aware, um, teams change. You know, people change their teams a lot before round one, and I'm sure that we'll tinker our teams leading up to the to the Wednesday partial lockout. But I think that's all we got time for today. Um, so as we said, we're we're trying to get these out on YouTube um, asap. I'll, I'll try to get this one out before. Um, round one, which is, I mean, not round one, before um, the teams get released on the Tuesday night. So we'll see how we go there. It's great to see. I've just had a look at our leagues that um, our div, uh, our, our first head-to-head league is is complete. Our cash league is pretty much complete now. We've got three spots remaining for our head-to-head second league. Um, so the code for that is double four six eight double zero. So we've got three more spots left for that. If you're keen to hop on and, and, and have a go at one of us. So, yeah, I guess we'll be, um, probably pop on again, potentially, before teams get released. Or oh, when teams get released, sorry, before the lockout. I've got to do my we'll, tips as well. Yeah, so that's when I guess we'll, we'll run through the round one games and see who's the winners and losers of that one. Um, but until then, we'll uh, we'll catch you for a you know, bumper lead up to round one for sure.